we're, we're in a series on Let It Go. has nothing to do with the movie, okay? Um, not breaking into song or anything like that. I might later, but not right now. And, oh, in your worship folder. We had extended family Christmas yesterday. So my brain is still a little bit, blah, 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 like we had, I think, 29 people, not at our house, at my sister-in-law's house, all day. And it, it was fun, and crazy. Uh, there's a worship in your worship folder. Is it's not separate like this. I think it's right in the worship folder. It's an outline for you to follow along with, and go. We're in a series on letting go, and what we're going to talk about today. Um, uh, we're doing this because we know that this world, as it is, is not our home. This is temporary. We know we're just passing through here. We're talking about letting go of things that hold us down, that weigh us down, that that hold us back. We talked the first week about letting go of stuff. We talked the, the second week about letting go of distractions, and I had people, each service come up and say, it's like you were just talking to me, I was just having a discussion with so-and-so, and we're doing this, and so it's going to happen today too, and if you feel like I knew your story, and I'm telling it today, I didn't, but God didn't, he had you here for a reason. So today is a very important topic, very important, it's about letting go of something that is highly destructive. So a good thing to let go of. Um, we're going to kind of la- launch off from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. It starts like this. Make every effort. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. Because it's hard what we're going to talk about. It's an effort. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Now, if everyone did it, it would be way better. But it's hard. And so if you're up to the challenge, here's what we're going to do today. He says, make every effort to live in peace with, what's the next word? Everyone. You don't get to pick and choose who you live in peace with. I understand that there are some people in your life that are harder to live at peace with. I have those people in my life too. I would say most people here have those people in my life. And if you're thinking, I don't got anybody, you're probably the one. (laughs) So I'm just saying, it takes effort to live at peace with everyone. And it says this, live at peace with everyone and be holy. I, I want to explain that just, just very briefly, because it's one of those words that it's, it can, it's either just thrown about flippantly or it's a religious-sounding word, and it's hard to even understand what, what does that mean. Here's what holy means. God is holy. So all throughout Scripture, God is holy. In my reading this past week, I was in Isaiah, um, and, it's, and, and we get down to chapter 3, 4, 5, 6. It talks about holy, and it says God is holy, and it even the angels are singing holy, holy, holy. How, what does that mean? Well, the word, well, at least in the Greek, is hagios, but the word, the word means um, separate. It means set apart. You see, everything is here, and God is totally set apart. Now, that doesn't mean he's not with us. He became one of us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. But in terms of his character, in terms of everything, there is no sin. Zero. He's completely set apart from that. And when we're commanded then to be holy, we're commanded to be set apart from those things that would mess us up those things that are sin, those things that would cause us to do the wrong things. He says, live at peace with everyone, be holy, be different, be set apart. I grew up, they talked about Christians being different, and they used an old translation, and it said, because we're a peculiar people. And they took that literally. 
They were a peculiar people. Now, we're supposed to be different and set apart, not, I was going to say, we're not supposed to be weird, but some of us can't help that, and that's okay. We just are who we are. That's not what sets us apart. What sets us apart is that we listen to and follow Jesus. And if he says yes, it's a yes. If he says no, it's a no. And we take his word at face value. It is what it is. And that's what it means for us to be a holy people. He says, make every effort, because it ain't easy, to live at peace with everyone and be holy. And then verse 15 says this, see to it that no one, that's no one of us, no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What we're going to talk about today is letting go of bitterness. Now, the first thing I thought of when I was looking at this is that means chocolate, dark chocolate. And I, I, was, I was actually going to have some chocolate up here, and I decided, no, I can't do that, because for me, it's like, well, that, letting go of bitterness, that's easy. Just don't get dark chocolate. And then I realized there's a lot of people here who really like dark chocolate, even though milk chocolate is the best. Some people still like dark chocolate. This isn't about that kind of bitterness. I am convinced of this, that this is one of our spiritual enemy's greatest tools to destroy relationships, to poison hearts. And the Bible calls it the root of bitterness. So what do we know? Here's what we know. God wants us to love. He wants you to love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We even have it on a wall over there. Loving God and loving people. We are supposed to love. That's what separates us. That's what makes us different. Is because the rest of the world isn't doing that. Jesus said, they'll know that you're Christians because of your love. Not because you dress the right way or talk the right way or do the right thing or go to the right places, but because of your love. We're supposed to love. The enemy wants to kill love. That's what he does. God wants you to grow in intimacy, to have that intimacy with him, with others. He wants you to have that unity. The enemy wants to destroy intimacy. God wants you to trust. That's how he wants us to live our lives. But the enemy wants to steal trust. The enemy wants to leave us bitter. And I know that the enemy will do everything possible to plant a seed of offense in people's hearts that will grow and mature into a root of bitterness. See, we live in a day where like everybody's offended by everything. And the problem is we get sucked into that and something happens and we get offended. And what happens is that seed of offense is planted and it grows into a root of bitterness. And we're told that we should have no bitter root growing. It causes trouble, defiles many. Now, it could be a million different things. It could be something small. It could be something that is not like really consequential in the grand scheme of things like um, you follow somebody on social media. You know, you're friends with somebody, whatever particular social media thing you're doing, and, and whenever they do something, you like it. You know, you comment nice things on it. Whenever, they do, whenever, whenever you do it, they like your thing. They comment on it. And you notice that it's, it, it's been like a week or so, and you've been liking their stuff and commenting on stuff, but it's like crickets chirping from their side. 
and you discover that they unfollowed you. And there's this little thing planted back here, this little seed of offense that if we're not careful can grow into a root of bitterness. Or maybe it's just as simple as um, you, there's people you text back and forth. And you text somebody and they text you back and, and, and you, know, you go back and forth and, and, and all of a sudden you text somebody and you see it's delivered and there's those little bubbles over here, the little bubble with the dots going. And you see they were going to say something, all of a sudden that disappears and nothing. And they're ignoring you. You ever notice that? You know what I did? I have this, this, it's a GIF, which some of you are already offended now because you said it's pronounced GIF. I don't care how you pronounce it. It's a file that allows the, the thing to move. And I have one that's that little text thing that has the dots blinking like you're texting something. And so I'll just send that to somebody. And they'll think the whole time that I'm typing. And it's like, <laughs> I haven't been looking at my phone for an hour. It's just <laughs> dinking on their house. It's kind of fun. But... That can, there can be that um, seed of offense planted there. Just simple things. Like we talked about last week, Christmas meal. You have stuff with family, and there's always, remember Mary from last week, Mary and Martha, and, and we joked about this, you know, there's that person like that who never brings food when you have the get-together. They bring Tupperware, empty, so that they can take food home. And it's really easy to have that little seed of offense get planted. But it could also be, it could also be something more significant. It could also be something um, a little bit more real. Like you have uh, people that were close to you that uh, they've lied to you. Or they've, they've deceived you. Or behind your back, they've talked bad about you. Maybe you have that relative that is, in, in, in your estimation, they are always critical. Nothing you can do is good enough. They criticize your parenting. They criticize um, how you spend your money. They even criticize your faith and how and where you go to church. And they're just always critical. Maybe you have that person who has taken advantage of you. And you were trying to be genuine and real and trusting and have that intimacy. And you got taken advantage of you. Or maybe they misled you. Or maybe you've had that situation where someone who is close to you has betrayed you. You trusted them and they've betrayed you. And we have that seed of offense that can grow into this root of bitterness. So here's the key thought for today. If you're taking notes, there's a little, there could be a little good news and bad news in here. Um, but it's, it's this. You can't control what people do. For some of you, that's bad news because you think you can I'm just going to say for those of you who think you can control everything around you, you can't. You're not controlling it. All you're doing is ticking everybody off. You can't control people around you. You can control how you respond. We can't determine what they're going to do. We can try, but it's not going to work. But we can control how we respond. So one of the reasons that we're kind of talking about this extremely important subject right before Christmas, is you may have noticed the holidays tend to magnify and amplify emotions. That's what happens during this time. Like, if things are going good for you and times are good, Christmas makes it even better and you're singing, it's the most wonderful time. See, I told you I'd break into song at some point. <laughs> but because it's amplified and everything's great, right? But if there's family tension or if there's relational hurts, or if there's disappointments, 
then the holiday seasons magnify the pain also. That's what happens during this time. It might be that you're going through some hard times for a hundred different reasons. Maybe you're going through a lonely time. Maybe it's for you, it's broken times because there's things going on that are out of your control and they're messing things up. And for you, this season is just amplifying that and making it more painful. You know, when you think about it, in the next week or so, many of us here will have the God-given opportunity to share His love with some of the most important people in our lives. We'll have that opportunity. We'll be in those settings where we can do that. And you can be sure that your enemy is going to try to plant seeds of offense that will grow into a root of bitterness. Just count on it. He's going to try to do that. Because remember, you can't control what people do. You can control how you respond. So here's the problem with bitterness. There's actually many problems. We're going to look at two of them today. The problem with bitterness from this passage. Bitterness has a dangerous root. Simple, we've said that. It says in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. So what do we know about the root of bitterness? What are roots, where do roots grow? Roots grow underground. In my, I, I talked last week about mowing and how much I love mowing, and you, you would be thinking I was talking about mowing grass. It's about 10% grass. It's green. It's about 90% weed. Sometimes it's purple. Sometimes it's yellow. There's all kinds of things going on there because there's, there's this thing underground called roots, and there's certain kinds of things that are growing in my yard that when I think I've got them and I think it's done, pops up over here. Like, In the middle of a cement driveway. There it is. How did that happen? It happened because of roots. And and they go. And, And they spread. And when we think about roots, what we have to understand is that roots, when we talk about bitterness and the root of bitterness, it's an underground job. It's happening below the surface. No one sees the root growing. Sometimes not even us. In fact, you may have experienced a hurt, a disappointment, an offense, you know, letdowns, lies, whatever it is, and you may not even know that an offense has now taken root in your life. Because these seeds of offense are subtle, but they grow into the root of bitterness. I understand that. I've had that happen in my life. This is not something I'm standing up here preaching to you about because I've got this all under control and you need to fix it. It's all of us have this struggle. I've had this. I've had this even with, with um, my parents that I have struggled with this. Things that happened growing up, things that didn't happen growing up that should have, being ignored, being pushed to the side, never having anything be good enough or acceptable enough. There have been times throughout my life that I have struggled with that. And the reason I struggled with it because I allowed those seeds of offense to take root. And when those seeds of offense start to grow, it turns into the root of bitterness. I understand what it is to struggle with that. I have people, and I hear this, they don't say this to me, but I hear it often enough, um, some people talking smack about Journey North Church. I hear that. 
I also, every once in a while, God will allow me, I had a great conversation with someone on the phone this week that said they've asked people all over the area, they're looking for a church, they've asked people all over the area, and every single person they talked to said, you should go to Journey in Our Church, that's a great church, and that just, that warms my heart when I hear that, but I also hear the other side of things. I hear people talking smack about it, I hear people talking about me, and, and if I'm not careful, I can let those seeds of offense turn into a root of bitterness. You've had it. You've had someone that you trusted let you down. You've had someone turn on you. I've had that. I've had to deal with that and work through that. When you think about it, 1 Corinthians 13 is a love chapter. If you're not familiar with that, go home today and read 1 Corinthians 13. It tells us all about love and it says this. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what it says. Bitterness, however, keeps detailed records, doesn't it? Not that it really remembers the facts, but it is pretty sure that it's got them all straight. And doesn't let them go. He hurt me. And we rehearse it in our minds. She misled me. He lied to me. You know, she let me down. Shouldn't have done that. And the seed is planted and grows. You know the problem. The longer you allow root to live, the more it spreads. The harder it is to kill. Just like with those ones in my yard. The more they, the more they grow, the bigger they are, the, the bigger the area is, and the harder it is to get rid of them. So the first thing we need to recognize is bitterness has a dangerous root. The second thing is this. Bitterness produces a poisonous fruit. It produces a poisonous fruit. Because in that verse, 15, it says this. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause what? Oh, there. Trouble and to defile many. It produces this poisonous fruit. It's not just a root. It's a root that produces bad fruit. And when we let it go, that's what's going to happen. You've seen it all around you. You've seen how I've experienced firsthand how a bitter person can destroy and poison a small group. I've seen how a bitter person can poison a church. I've seen how, and you have too, how a bitter... Not here. I'm not at Journey in Our Church. Um, I've got to be careful when I say this. This is a long time ago. A bitter person can make a workplace miserable. I'm not saying that about the staff that I have. This... Older illustration, all right? But you've experienced that, that it, it, someone can be bitter and it can just make everything not quite as fun. And oh, not much gets done. The, the morale goes down. You've seen how a bitter person can divide a family. They've allowed that to grow because it produces a poisonous fruit. And here's what I think. I think right now, many of you, are thinking, I hope so-and-so is listening to this because they need this message. You're thinking that. Before you relax and point the finger, remember, there's fingers pointing back at you. When you do that, bitterness is one of the most difficult sins to see in the mirror. It's really easy to see it in other people. It's one of the most difficult to see in the mirror. And you know why that is? Because when you're bitter, you feel justified in how you feel. I'm right. 
I'm only angry because of what they did. And you've justified it. It's okay for you to feel bitter because of that. And if we aren't careful, here's what's going to happen for some of us. Some of you are going to celebrate this season. While you're celebrating the love of Christ, you'll be hating someone in your heart. You will receive God's grace. And we all need it. We're all sinners. And if you don't think you're a sinner, you haven't received His grace yet. Because that's why we need a Savior. Because we're sinners. And so we'll receive God's grace. But then we'll, re- we'll withhold it from someone around us. We won't give them the same grace that God gave us. So you need to, to take a moment and ask yourself honestly... Do I have that root of bitterness? Do I have that seed of offense in there that I'm allowing to grow? Are you holding a grudge? You're carrying some hurt. You're nursing some offense. And it may be nothing. It may be a real offense. But you're nursing that offense. It could be, like I said, it could be a parent. It could be a spouse. It could be a sibling. It could be a kid. It could be that brown noser at work. That drives you crazy. Could be the boss that doesn't appreciate you. It could be that you're just sick and tired of being criticized. And so it's growing and you feel justified in it. It could be the friend that takes you for granted. Maybe you're disappointed or angry at God. And you might not say that out loud, but you are. Because he's not kind of doing what you think he should be doing. There could be a whole bunch of different reasons. So, yes, but how? Here's the YBH, the yes but how. How do you kill the root of bitterness? If it's something that can grow in any of us, how do you do that? Ephesians 4, Paul writes this, verses 31 and 32. He says, get rid of, what's the next word? I did a really big study on that word, the word all in the Greek. You know what it means? All. That means we don't just get rid of some of the bitterness because the other is really justified because they were bad to me. It says get rid of all bitterness. And then it's interesting, the list that carries on from there. Rage and anger. Brawling and slander. Along with every form of malice. And I believe he does it in that order because most of those things stem back to bitterness. And the anger comes out. And the things come out because we haven't gotten rid of all the bitterness. By the way, this is not a suggestion. It's a command for believers. Get rid of all bitterness. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's break this down. Here's the first thing. If you want to kill the root of bitterness, here's the first thing. Kill bitterness with compassion. And I know some of you are thinking, "Ah, I never said this was going to be easy. All right? There is a tension kind of growing right now in some of you because maybe you've recognized this offense that you've carried. And maybe the fact that you feel justified in carrying it. And I just told you, in order to kill that, you have to have compassion even toward the person that hurt you. 
I need to clue you in on a little secret if you haven't discovered this already. The laws of heaven are almost always the exact opposite of the laws of your human nature. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you know what he said? Serve others. Opposite. Somebody strikes you, somebody does something bad, don't strike them back, turn the other cheek. Opposite. You want to kill the root of bitterness inside you because we're commanded and in order to be holy and followers of Jesus, we have to obey. So you want to kill the root of bitterness inside you? Love. That's the opposite of what our human nature wants to do. Offer compassion. The verse says, be kind and compassionate to one another. It does not say be kind and compassionate to those who are nice to you and the rest of them can go suck it because I'm going to be mad at them. It doesn't say that. We are kind and compassionate to everyone, especially. In fact, if somebody came to mind when I said that, and you said, well, I could do that to everyone except so-and-so, that's probably the person God's saying, you really need to be kind and compassionate to them. Paul taught a similar principle in Romans 12, 21. He says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. You see, we don't fight evil with evil. When somebody does something wrong, when somebody does something bad, when somebody does something that we don't think is right, we don't fight that with evil. And it's easy to think, it's easy to put that in terms that make other people look bad. When it says don't fight evil with evil, here's, here's, here's one of those that a lot of people say, ooh, I didn't think of that. Somebody does something bad. And I'm not saying it's, it's, it, they might have done something they shouldn't do. One way to fight evil with evil Gossip, that's sin. That's fighting evil with evil. The Bible says don't gossip. And so when you gossip about something because I'm trying to fix the problem, you're fighting evil with evil. And he says you don't fight evil with evil, you overcome evil with good. You don't do the wrong thing because we can't control what someone else does. We can control how we respond. One of the ways that that's worked out for me in my life is I have had to do this and say this every day for what is now decades. That I believe the best in people. If I'm going to make a mistake in judgment about somebody else, I am always going to err on the side of believing the best. I'm not going to automatically believe the worst. That's a choice that I make, and I say it out loud to myself every single day. I am going to believe the best. You know one of the reasons? I want people to believe the best about me. I don't want them to see something and make an assumption when they see something that they don't fully understand and assume the worst. I want people to assume the best. I've had to do this. Um, I've discovered it truly is the way I'm wired, and I love the fact that my heart is changing in this. I had to because even my blood type is B positive and I can't do the negative thing. I want to believe and assume the best. Jesus, I think, said it best in Luke 6.22. Here he said, again, this is opposite of our nature. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. It's easy to bless those who bless us. It's easy to love those who love us. 
It's not easy to bless those who curse, who curse you. It's not easy to pray for those who mistreat you. That's the opposite of what our insides want to do. But in order to be like Jesus, that's what we have to do. You know one of the best ways to show compassion to somebody who's offended you, who've hurt you, who's mistreated you, who's lied to you, who's any one of these offenses that have happened, one of the best ways to show compassion is to pray for them. Honestly and genuinely pray for them. And not just pray, you know, pray that they'll get struck <laughs> because they're so bad. That's not... There's a verse in the Old Testament. It says, it's, it's New Testament and Old Testament. It's, it says, it talks about praying for people who've hurt you because in so doing you will heap coals of fire on their head. That's what the old translation says. And I had a professor explain that to me. And he says, they believe that what that means is um, you'd, you'd have your neighbor and your neighbor could be a jerk and they, and they were not nice to you but they let their fire go out. And they would come over and in order to get their fire going they would borrow some coals. Not borrow, they would... <laughs> keep them forever the coals for the fire um, and what you were supposed to do is you were supposed to be nice even if they were bad you were supposed to love them you were supposed to go the extra mile and not just give them that but heap heap coals of fire on their head so they had this basket and they'd carry it back and their fire would be all great yours might be less now but theirs would be all great and I remember one kid raising his hand he said yeah but professor I still want to heap coals of fire on their head <laughs> because that sounds like more fun we have to remember that when we pray for those who mistreat us, when we pray for those who are against us, the prayer should be, God, bless them. Enlarge, enlarge their territory. Help them to flourish. And you think, I don't want to do that. That's because it's the opposite of what we want to do, but it's how we combat this. We pray for people. Sometimes what happens is, well, I would say every time, you pray for other people. When you pray for other people, it may not change them. I can guarantee this. It'll change you. Because you can't control what they do. But you control how you respond. So we kill bitterness with compassion. And the next gets a little tougher. Kill bitterness with forgiveness. Now, I have to pause here. And I need to acknowledge, I get it. I understand this is where it can get a little tense. Because what you're thinking is, you don't have any idea what they did to me. I don't. Kind of doesn't matter. When it comes to forgiveness, it doesn't matter. We still forgive. How in the world do I forgive what seems unforgivable? How do I do that? It's a struggle. First of all, you need to realize forgiveness does not let anyone off God's hook. There are always consequences for what we do. And when someone does something bad, there are going to be consequences. That's not up to you. That's up to God. Forgiveness is letting someone off our hook. It's literally choosing to live with the consequences of someone else's mistake. That's what forgiveness is. Paul tells us how we do that because it seems like it's an impossible task. Here's what he says. Get rid of all bitterness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And then he tells us how. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. How do you forgive? You forgive just like Jesus forgave you. 
And how did Jesus forgive you? He forgave you freely. He forgave you generously. He forgave you absolutely. He forgave you entirely. And he forgave you unconditionally. One of our biggest problems, I believe, is that we compare sin. We compare sin. And in your heart, you don't say this out loud, but you think it, your sin's way worse than my sin. And we see somebody who did something and we think, yeah, that's a tough one. Completely ignoring the darkness in our hearts. That's one big reason that we have a hard time forgiving people who've hurt us. We see their sin, but we don't see ours. We forget that we've been forgiven. You know the word sin, hamartia. The word sin is an archery term. I came really close today. My son-in-law, Ben, um, is, he's an archer. He you know, comes to our house sometimes and, and shoots a bow and arrow, and he's, he's really good. And I thought, I should set something up, because this is an archery term. And, you know, we could put something over here and something over here. And I thought, mm, yeah, I have a feeling the insurance company would not look really highly. What's the pastor? He's got an apple on his head. Look at this. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, we have these toy ones at home that have the plungers. And, the, and it's like, no, just don't go there, Tim. They understand bow and arrow. Okay? So you imagine the target. And here's what we do. We look at the target and we say, I'm in this ring here. You know, you're in this ring here. The point is, the, the bullseye is a target. And it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're not in the bullseye, you miss the mark. You can miss the whole target. If you haven't hit where you're supposed to, you've missed the mark. That's literally what sin means, what the word means. You have missed the mark. So none of us, the Bible says, none of us is perfect. None of us has hit the mark. Only Jesus. And so we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We can't be comparing their sins worse than mine so I can hold a grudge. We can't do that. How can I receive what Jesus gave me? Grace and forgiveness. And then withhold it from somebody else. I can't do that. Don't let the bitterness, the root of bitterness, grow up and hurt you and hurt others. Because I have to be honest, my heart is hurting for those of you who are listening to this today because I believe that some of you, you believe in God. You believe in Jesus as the forgiver. But you're not free. You're not free and you know it. You're imprisoned to this memory, whatever it is. You're imprisoned to this offense. Do you know there's three things you can do with it? You can relive it, rehearse it over and over, and you won't get better. The root will grow stronger, the devastation will be worse, the destruction will be worse, or you can do this. You can release it. And here's how it works. One at a time, this passage, what it literally means is this is now going to be your new lifestyle. One at a time, when that memory, when that emotion, when that comes and rears its ugly head, you make the choice to forgive. It has nothing to do with them asking for forgiveness. You don't even have to do this out loud to them. It has nothing to do with that. 
It has, it has to do with you making the choice to say, I'm letting it go. I'm, I'm offering forgiveness, and then you let it go. And we do that because we've missed the mark too. But we've been forgiven by Jesus. So each and every time that emotion comes bubbling up, we do it. I know this, I'm speaking from experience. I've had the, the betrayal. I've had the, the things happen that I thought I could never forgive that person. And so I started doing what Jesus said, and when it would pop up and when it would start to boil up, I would just forgive them. And the next time it would do it again. Forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's like a thousand-time thing. Maybe a thousand times between now and tomorrow. But as it pops up, that's what we keep doing. And each and every time we do this, and here's what I know. You will wake up one day with the, the total of all those little moments of, excuse me, of I choose not to hold that against them. And here's what's going to happen. What happened, whatever it was, will no longer be an emotion. It will just be a fact. It'll only be a part of history. But it will not be something that impacts your emotions. It'll just be something that helped make you who you are. And it doesn't cause the hurt and the pain and the bitterness and the negative emotions. It'll just be a fact of something that happened in the past and it's not a big deal. Because you've heard me say this many times. I don't know who said this first. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover the prisoner was you. That's what forgiveness is. Romans twelve eighteen says this. If it is possible, and he says that because he knows it's hard. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because you can't control what others do, but you can control how you respond. And so as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes as we get ready to pray here. Because it tells us, as far as it's possible with you, to live at peace. For some of you, that's difficult because you're thinking, you don't know what that person did. It doesn't matter. I know this, we're all sinners. And Jesus forgave us freely, unconditionally. And that's what we need to do. But I also know this, as some of you who know Jesus are struggling with this, I know there's some listening to this don't know Jesus. And you'll never have that peace that you're looking for because peace starts with peace with God. You're never going to have peace with everybody else until you have peace with God. Then you can have peace and reconciliation with others. Then you can have peace even with yourself. So as we pray in the quietness of your own heart and mind, you don't have to say or do anything out loud. If you know that you don't know Jesus, it's as simple as saying, I need that peace, Jesus. We celebrate this season where the Prince of Peace came. And he came to give you peace. He came, lived a sinless, perfect life, died on a cross, not for his sins, but for yours. So that you could say, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need that. And I don't understand all that, Jesus, but I want that. And I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. So Father, as, 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 a, as a body of Christ, as a family here as we pray... I know that there's people listening to this. They've never taken that first step of turning their life over to you. They may have gone to church all their life. They may have never been to church. They may have been a member of the church all their life. 
but they've never met you. My prayer is today, regardless of what their past is, that they would realize that because of what you did, their past can be forgiven. They can have meaning and purpose for living today, an eternal purpose and a living hope for the future simply by turning from that sin and turning to you. Saying, Jesus, I don't understand that, but I believe and I am receiving you as my Savior today. Knowing that in in that moment, their entire destiny could change. And Father, for those who have already taken that step from unbelief to belief, my prayer is that we would be able to let go of all bitterness. That we would be able to kill that ugly root with compassion, loving others. That we would be able to kill that by forgiving those who have hurt us just like you forgave us. So that those around us will see that in our lives and realize there's something different there. Only Jesus could do that. Father, thank you for how you move and work in us. Help us to be able to love and forgive as children of of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. I helped, I didn't help, I watched these get set up, and I knew they were there, and before I came up at the beginning, I come running up, and I'm ready to jump up, and it's like, there's a box there. <laughs> this could not end well. Here, here's what's good. You, you heard that song. You want your heart to beat with the Father's heartbeat? And you know what you have to do? You have to love and forgive like He does. As far as it's possible. As far as it's possible, and... As much as you can, live at peace with everyone. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And if you haven't experienced that forgiveness yet, and you'd like to meet Jesus, and you'd like to have someone pray with you, when we dismiss in prayer, just make your way. We'll have enough coffee for you afterwards. Don't worry. Just make your way to this room with the glass there, and somebody will meet you there and pray with you. Next week starts Christmas at Journey North Church. Remember, three, three opportunities Sunday, one on two, two on Sunday and one on Tuesday, um, to be able to invite people. Also next Sunday, because it's the fourth Sunday of the month, from 12 to 2 is our Hope for Mental Health community. Starts with lunch at noon, so if you want to come to that, it starts at noon, be there at noon, goes till 2-ish, sometimes a little earlier. Um, but Hope for Mental Health, and we'll celebrate the holidays together a little bit. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for loving us and forgiving us when we didn't deserve it. And I pray that like you, we would be able to love others, show compassion to others, forgive others because we have been forgiven by you. And Father, for anybody who has never met you, I pray that today would be the day that they find peace with God so they could begin having peace with others and demonstrate to a world that needs to see it that there is hope. Thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.